0: To Refuge podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. The other announcement is Andrew's not here. He just got back from junior high camp hanging out with lovely junior hires. I'm sure he had a blast, but he's taking a much needed nap, I'm sure, right now. Um, but in his stead, We have the great theologian and master lead guitar player Brendan McPeak. My beloved, all right. Oh man, that's amazing. I'm just gonna ditch this thing. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, My G. Oh, yeah. Andrew's not here. I'm sorry. Sad face. I love him. I wore these in honor of him tonight. This is kind of his signature shoe. It's like, you know what? He's with me tonight. I just talked to him. He said they had an absolute blast. And he's glad that he's not teaching tonight because <laughs> he's recovering. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you hear us even right here and right now. Lord God, I pray tonight uh, for a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit. I pray now, Lord, that you would give us a supernatural focus. Lord, that you would give us the ability to be able to get everything that you have for us this evening. Lord, let us not be robbed tonight by lesser things. I know there are so many things competing for our attention and our mind space. Uh, but tonight, Lord, would you take that preeminent spot on the throne of our minds and our hearts and speak to your children clearly, we pray. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, somebody said. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> you guys have been going through the Psalms. Excuse me. I don't know what's going on with me. I didn't sleep very much last night. I didn't sleep very much for like the last week. So, just have a little bit of a little bit of grace on me tonight. So, I was so excited when Andrew asked me to teach and that you guys were going through the book of Psalms, because I'm a musician and a singer. And we have like this special relationship with that book. You know what I mean? It's like something different. And for me personally, just like a two second version of my testimony, I could not sing at all until I was like 22, 23 maybe. So probably a lot of your guys' age or even older than you guys are. I was tone deaf my whole life. And uh, my mom was an incredible singer, still is. She's got big, thick gospel pipes. And my whole life I watched her sing, and my whole life I couldn't do it. And uh, I remember one day she she pulled me into her room after I had just taken a shower, because I used to sing at the top of my lungs. And she was like, you know, the Lord's given us all gifts, son. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And she's like, singing isn't yours. And I was broken because I was like, but that's the family lineage, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that's what we do, you know? But I didn't have it. I was tone deaf. I could not hold a melody in a bucket. I just couldn't hear it. And uh, my whole life, I would pray that the Lord would open my ears, that I would be able to hear pitch and, you know, control. I always had, like, the tone and a big voice. I just couldn't control it. It was like a Clydesdale without, you know, a saddle or any kind of harness, and uh, the Lord opened my ears at some and just a little bit, and I could could control it a little bit. I say all that to say, this is a psalm that I used to read before I could sing, and even back then, it resonated with me, Um, and to be honest with you, we're going to be in Psalm 96 tonight, it's only 13 verses, and to be honest with you, I think I'm going to talk about two verses. I got a short, encouraging word for you tonight, but it's it's something special. It's something special because it's the Word of God. We're going to read the whole thing and then we're going to get into it. So it says this: verse one. Gosh, I love this Psalm so much. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. And his wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory. Do his name Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all of its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. I love this psalm. But it starts like this. Sing to the Lord a new song. That, for me, I started reading psalms when I was probably like eight years old. A a youth pastor of mine said every night you should read something in the New Testament a psalm and a proverb. So I was like, okay. So I just did that for like 15 years straight before I ever even thought about it. So he just told me to do it, and then so I just did it. So I remember coming across this psalm as a young man and and just loving it. I loved the idea. We don't know. This psalm doesn't have a title. Because, you know, sometimes it'll be like a psalm of David as he, you know, came on this triumphal thing. We don't have one of those for this one. No title, but... a good chunk of this is in first chronicles chapter 16 and david sings a piece of this psalm as they bring the ark into jerusalem so it's probably a good chance it was david because it's kind of his song but we don't know for sure um, <clears throat> first thing i want to i want to check out in, in this in this passage is the first word oh sing there's something special about singing in the Bible. It just, it just is. It pleases the Lord. It's mentioned 87 times in the Old Testament alone, but we see it all throughout Scripture. We see it as a proper response to what God has done and who God is. So oftentimes it will say, he is good. Sing to him for this. He has done this. Raise your voice and sing to him for that. It's a response that is often encouraged for us to give to the Lord. The Lord has done something good, or he's this, or he's that. He says to sing and tell him all about it. He loves it. As a matter of fact, Jesus does this himself. The Bible says that Jesus sings over us, right? In the book of Zephaniah chapter 3, it says this. It says, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord has taken away your judgments, He cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak, for the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord himself sings over us sing to the Lord. So here, here's another thing I want to talk about tonight. This is probably where we're going to camp for most of the time. The Psalm says in verse one, oh sing to the Lord a new song. there's two things that that word new means. Number one is just new, just fresh, which is a new thing. sealed brand new just opened it, right? There's always and in, in that in that same breath, there's always, Something new to sing to the Lord about. Amen? Always. His mercies are new every morning. If we were to sing about his attributes, the song would never stop. He is inexhaustible in his nature, in his character. He's just that good. The song could go forever. So when he says sing a new song, sing something fresh, sing something that hasn't been sung before. And we could do that about the Lord all day long. I love. I love that encouragement to sing something new. We do not need to bring vain repetition because we have a God who's inexhaustible. As a matter of fact, the same heart, Jesus is talking about prayer in the book of Matthew chapter six, but he's talking about prayer and he says, hey, man, you know, don't be like these guys who go on the streets all loud and make a big show and pray with, he says, vain repetition. Hmm. Doing that same old thing over and over again. Why? For views, just for attention, for clout. Vain repetition because they put these words together they thought sounded good and they thought people might be impressed by it. And Jesus is warning. He's like, don't do that. He says, don't bring vain repetition. When you pray, go in the closet in the secret place. The Lord will see you. The Lord hears you. And sing them a new song. Don't bring that vain repetition. It's not what he desires. The second part of that word, new, another connotation that it holds, is being new, skillful, excellent. Right? So when when the psalmist encourages us, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. He's saying, sing to the Lord an excellent song. A song that is skillful. And I want to camp here for a second because of this. I think oftentimes we lose sight of the skillful nature of it. I think a lot of times that we uh, that we bring things to the Lord, we <laughs> we might qualify it with, He knows my heart. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring this. He knows where He knows where I'm coming from, though. He knows I had a long day. Uh, Lord, I'm just gonna give you that today. Might not be very skillful. It's not my best, but it's not my worst. You know what I mean? I'm not, and you know, don't get me wrong. When I say that we need to bring our best, I'm not saying that if you can't sing a hymn like Whitney Houston, then you shouldn't sing to the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Because none of us can. Nobody can. It's not about, it's not a competition. It's your best, right? It's your excellence. It's your skill. And Psalm 33 says this. It says, Rejoice to the Lord, O you righteous. Praise him from the, for the upright is beautiful. The praise of the upright is beautiful. I love that. The Lord thinks it's beautiful. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. Sing to him, here we go again, a new song. And then here's, here's my point play skillfully with the shout of joy. If we do not possess Great skill in a certain area. Is our worship invalid? Absolutely not. How do we know? Because what can actually impress God? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat there and thought like, what could I give God that actually would impress him? You know, I'm going to give God something he's never seen before. It's not possible. He made everything. So all you're going to do is manipulate something he made and put a ribbon on it and say, here you go, Lord. Lord. I made you this. It's brand new. And he's like, oh, I remember when I spoke that into existence. Seems as if you've put some mud on it and a bow. Thank you very much. The book of Isaiah says this. And this is speaking, this is just speaking to the nature of God. It says, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span from his pinky to his thumb. Who calculated... The dust of the earth in a measure weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance who has directed the spirit of the Lord or who's his counselor to teach him with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him who taught him the path of justice who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding the nations are as a drop in a bucket and they're counted as small dust on the scale. He lifts, he lifts up the islands as a very little thing. And I love this. This verse has always stuck with me. Verse 16. It's Isaiah 40, verse 16. Lebanon at the time was known for its mighty forests. They had this, these forests of cedar trees. Those things are huge. And like the cedars of Lebanon are this important tree that they would build great things out of, right? And it says this. Lebanon is is not sufficient to burn. So even if, even if, Lord, as an offering, if I could bring you excellence in the context of just to impress you, even if I burned Lebanon as a burnt offering, it's not enough. Even if I took all the cattle, it says right right after that, it says, Lebanon's not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient as a burnt offering. Man, all the beasts of the world we could lay on the altar and give as a burnt offering. It's not enough. Like, is that enough for the Lord? No. Not in the sense of just giving him those things without the right heart. Not just to give him because he needs them. The Lord is not in need of anything. It says all nations are before him as nothing. And they're counted by him as less than nothing. So surely singing to the Lord a new song is not about bringing God something that he doesn't have. He owns it all, but still the Bible encourages us over and over and over again to sing to him. He wants us to, like he asks us to sing. He declares it, like sing. And you know, I think about it like this. Father's Day just passed, right, on Sunday. And uh, my daughter doesn't have a job. She's seven. And she also doesn't get an allowance. She doesn't need to. She has everything that she needs. And she can't bring me a single thing of monetary value. Not one thing. She can't buy anything. Matter of fact, we were at Target and she saw this hat that she liked for me. And she was like, Daddy, um, could I have your credit card? And then you just kind of like don't pay attention and I'm going to buy something real quick. And I was like, no, it's okay. You don't got to do that. But it's for you. Like, no, it's okay. You don't have to spend my money on something I don't necessarily want. (laughs) Her name's Azalea, Azalea Marie. She's my little flower. She can't buy me a Tesla. She can't do that. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. She's like, Daddy, I bought you a Tesla. Awesome, thank you. I needed that. She can't do that. You know what she did do? She made, she made me a card. My daughter has this weird artistic gift. And she can, like, she just starts grabbing stuff. She'll tear stuff and just start gluing stuff. And she's a way better artist than me right now. Like, I'm 37. She's 7. I got 30 years on her. She's a better artist than me already. It's just It's just what she has. I just don't possess these gifts. You know what I'm saying? So she made me a card. It was a Yoda face on the front. It just had Master Yoda on the front, and I opened it up, and it said, the greatest father in the universe you are. <laughs> and I died. I was like, oh, that's so clever, man. She did it in the backwards talkie thing, you know what I mean? The be- oh, best dad in the galaxy you are. That's what it said. That's so cute. Yeah, it was so cute, and it was enough. It was, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted for Father's Day was to know that. With some kind of forethought and with the skill that she possesses that she would put something together because she was thinking about me. She was thinking about me. Enough to where she put her hands to paper, came up with this clever little saying, and spent her time on me. That stupid little card blessed me so much. I don't have a house right now, <clears throat> but if I did, I would have put it on on right on the kitchen table where I could see it every morning so but right now it's in my car you know what I'm saying kind of in between places it's a long story it's gonna work out the Lord's faithful but anyways that was sufficient not because of its worth but because of the heart behind it do you understand God is our father we can't bring him anything that's of worth necessarily not of not monetarily But what he desires from us is worship. What he desires from us is the very reason that he created us, to commune with him, to worship him, to sing to him a new song, one that has skill involved, one that has not just that, but sacrifice involved. When we sing to the Lord, there's something that we have to give up, and It's something that we give up that costs us something. It's a song that costs something. It's like the alabaster box that was poured out on Jesus. It cost that woman a year's wages. And she gave it willingly. Why? Because she was worshiping Jesus. Because she put worth in Jesus more than a perfume. So it was easy for her to break that box and give it to him. That was the heart behind it. Sing to the Lord a new song with excellence. And an idea that I would love to see die in the church is this. This is something that I've seen for a long time. I've been in the church my whole life. And I've been kind of behind the scenes in the church and in ministry for, I don't know, almost 20 years at this point. An idea that I would love to see die in the church that flies in the face of this psalm is the idea of good enough. That's an idea that needs to die. Good enough. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> I mean, eh, it's good enough. Right? I didn't really study, but I wrote a few things down. It's good enough. You know what? I heard there's only like 30 people that are going to be at this thing. This is good enough. Uh, yeah, I'm leading worship tonight, but it's just for the junior high. So I don't need to, like, prepare. Like, this is good enough. Yeah, I've been, I've been playing the exact same chords for 18 years. Same ones, never desired to learn more than that. I'm good enough. I had someone tell me recently, I was like, hey, so you play guitar? That's awesome. Like, where are you? Like, on the on the spectrum, you know? Like, are you, like, a master? Or are you kind of a beginner? And this person was like, I'm, like, good enough for worship stuff. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, you know, I could play, like, GCD. I'm like, I'm good enough. And so I was like, you know what would be awesome is if you were better than that. That'd be awesome. How long have you been playing guitar? Oh, 12 years. 12 years you've been playing the same three chords and you think it's good enough? What about when you want to change keys? Oh, I just put a capo on. Right, yeah. So you found a way to play three chords for 12 years and you think that's good enough. And the worst part is this person plays in the church and said, it's just for worship. Oh man, I wish this idea would die. The psalmist encourages us to sing to the Lord a new song, one that's fresh and one that's full of skill and excellence. I'm not saying you gotta be a virtuoso. You don't have to be Jimi Hendrix every time you pick up a guitar. But you should be pushing yourself to be the best version that you can be with everything that you do. Why? Not to be noticed, but to bring an excellent sacrifice to the Lord. Why in the world would you settle for good enough? Did he settle for good enough? Did he say, ah, oh, you know what? I had X amount of years in the garden before they fell. That's good enough. I had my time with man. Now they're doomed. That's good enough. Hey, man, we had, we had some good times, didn't we? No. <laughs> Why is that idea okay with us? Please do me a favor. When we leave tonight, that idea dies, Okay. The idea of good enough, what is that? Especially, man, we're never supposed to do anything as unto man. The Bible encourages us to do everything. Paul would say, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. So then, what's good enough? What is that? That doesn't make any sense to me. I want to see that idea die. Sacrifice holds. The meaning of cost. I mean, it's called a sacrifice for a reason. It costs you something to give it. And to be honest with you, it's easy to make these like bridges to music. It's it's just easy because you could see it. There's like a progression there, right? Like sure, music is still subjective as far as like what you like and what I like, but skill isn't subjective. Being skillful no, if you know all your scales and you could play all your modes and all these things, that's not subjective. That's just facts. You could just do all that. But whatever you do, the only reason I bring in music is because that's how my mind works. But whatever you do, I don't know what you do. You know what you do. Eliminate the idea of good enough because everything that we do is supposed to be unto the Lord. And the psalmist is encouraging us tonight to do it with skill And with excellence, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tonight, I just came to encourage you with that. That's it. It's two verses. Sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name, proclaim his salvation from day to day. It's a lifestyle. (laughs) Those two verses are a lifestyle. Straight up, watch this. Can you guys see this from there? You see that? When I was a little kid, I mean, I turned 18, but to me, I was a little kid. I got that tattooed on my lip. It says, proclaim, because of that verse, proclaim his salvation from day to day. It's the Hebrew word proclaim. I tell people it means Chipotle. It doesn't. You guys are the only ones that know means proclaim because that verse was so impactful to me because that encouragement to sing a new song has stayed with me ever since and every time I've sat down to write I think about this verse and I think you know what Lord I want to bring a new song I don't want to bring vain repetition I don't want to just play to my limits I want to play to my best I want to play unto your glory I want to make you stoked on what's coming out of me not just because it's something that other people think is good because I'm bringing you my best. I'm bringing you my first fruits. The Bible never talks about bringing the Lord our last fruits. Matter of fact, if they tried to bring a lamb with a blemish or things back in the sacrificial system, it would be rejected. The Lord wouldn't take that. Cain and Abel. (laughs) Come on. The Lord rejects certain things. Anyways, I came to bring you that message. So are you a student on summer break? Sing to him a new song. Are you entering into a career, a brand new endeavor? Enter into that career singing to the Lord a new song. Are you not sure what's going to happen next? All the more reason to sing to the Lord a new song. Not one of vain repetition, not one that's just good enough, but a song that costs you something to sing. A song that pleases the Lord because it comes from a place of worship, of true worship. And my last point of the night, told you it was going to be short tonight, is verse 2. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Do you not know what song to sing right now? Obviously, I'm speaking in metaphors. But right now, you might not have a song on your lips to sing to the Lord. You might be in a season of confusion. You might be in a season of depression. You might be in a season of despair. You might have not have come in here with high hopes or joy. But that's not not in this verse. It just says sing. It just says sing a new song. And if you forgot how to sing, if you forgot what to sing, If you say, you know what, I want to sing a new song, but I don't have nothing to sing about. Well, verse 2 cures that. It says, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. What is the good news of his salvation, friends? It's the gospel of Jesus. Did you forget? Like, are you dry tonight? Are you bored? Are you stuck in a weird place? Go look in the mirror and preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself what Jesus did on your behalf. And if that doesn't bring a song out, nothing else will. The gospel is this we were friends with God, right? I mentioned the garden, the Lord created us, and sin had not yet entered the world. And we kicked it with God in this beautiful garden. And the Bible says that Adam walked with the Lord in the cool of the night. So it's like, hey, sun's about to go down. Oh, man, it's time to go walk with the Lord. I'm going to go meet him by the beach. Hey, Lord, good evening. Good to see you again. How was your day? (laughs) Can you imagine? Perfect communion in the garden. That's where we were. I don't know how long that lasted, but it lasted an amount of time. And God said, I want you to enjoy me. I want you to enjoy this garden. Enjoy everything that it has to offer. And all I'm asking you to do is stay away from this one tree. Don't eat that fruit, this one tree. That's it. Everything else is yours to enjoy. I made it for you. Go on, enjoy. And inevitably, we, I say we because it's we. We ate the fruit that he said not to. We ate that one fruit. We could have eaten anything else in the entire garden, in the entire world. And we went for this one fruit because we did. Ate of it. When we ate of it, sin entered into the world. That's the first time it came into this world. And from there on, with sin came death. And the Bible says that from Adam... Every single person born of man is born with the nature now of sin. What does that mean? That just means that you're born inherently as a sinner. Before you ever sinned one time, you were by nature a sinner because of great, great, great grandpa Adam. There's no way around it. And we broke communion with God. We broke that perfect community that we had in the garden. And sin separated us from a holy God. Why? Because he's perfect and he can't do anything less than perfection. We missed the mark. We disobeyed and sin entered the world. There was nothing that we could do. We were without hope. Nobody could be born and live a life for us. You couldn't live perfectly. Even if you tried, you couldn't do it. But even if you did it, it doesn't matter. You were already born with that nature of sin. What's the answer? We need one who's born without that nature. We need one. Just one. Who could do it? None of us. So what did God do? He looks at his son and he said, it's got to be you. Sends Jesus down into time, born Fully God, fully man. How does he miss the sin nature in his birth? He doesn't have a father from earth. His father is not a man. His father is God, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary gives birth to Jesus as a virgin. She never knew a man, but was pregnant with Jesus, the God-man. Jesus is born a vulnerable baby in a manger, And the Bible says that in his life, he was tempted in all ways and did not sin one time. Jesus did that for us. Why? To bring us back into community, to take us back to the garden, to bring us into that right relationship one more time. He did it for us. He looked back. He looked forward. The Bible says that he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world were laid. So for you specifically, Jesus dies, he obeys, he's born, he lives a life and doesn't sin one time. And in perfect obedience, I call it the second garden, the second garden, Gethsemane. Jesus is calling out to his father and he says, oh, Lord, if there's any other way to do this, then let this cup of wrath pass from me. He feels the weight, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And he says, father, if there's another way to do it, can we do it? Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. In perfect obedience and under the submission to the Father, Jesus understands there is no other way to do it. We're hopeless without him. He's our one shot. He's lived a perfect life. He was born without that sin nature. If he could just die for us, we'd have a way back to communion with God. We'd have a way back to the garden. And he does. Jesus cries out in that second garden in Gethsemane and he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Right after that, they would come to get him. Right after that, they would falsely accuse him. And right after that, he would die on a cross. But the beautiful part (laughs) and the reason that I'm saying all these things is to encourage you tonight. What should fill your mouth with worship and what should be on your lips as a new song is Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days go by and he picks himself up out of the grave and conquers all of our enemies, Satan, sin, and death defeated. (laughs) Jesus raises from the dead and invites us back into perfect communion with God. Restores us, reconciles us, redeems us, brings us back to the garden and points toward the last garden. Invites us into heaven. Heaven, the last garden that nobody can touch. Nobody can mess that one up. There's not a secret tree that we could eat from in this garden. (laughs) This one doesn't have that. This one's going to be perfect and this one lasts forever. And we don't get in on our merit because we didn't have anything to bring. We get in on the merit of Christ so much so that the Bible says that when the Father looks at us, He sees the Son. And not only are we like heirs with Christ, we're co-heirs with him. Jesus doesn't invite us to be, he's like, I'll be king and you guys be princes. He's like, no, I'll be king and you guys be kings. Co-heirs with him. It's like the father and the son and we are brothers and sisters with the son. He invites us into that kind of relationship. And he says, I know the first garden had that one tree in it. And I know in the second garden, I asked the Lord if there was another way. But in the third garden, nobody could take you out of that one. I've, get, I've died to give you passage into perfect communion with the Father forever. Forever. Friends, when, when the psalmist says proclaim the good news of the gospel day after day, the good news of his salvation, that's the good news of his salvation. We were hopeless And he gave us a way back to God. We lost our connection with the father. And the son restored our relationship with him. If tonight you came in downcast. If tonight you came in with no song to sing. I pray now that there's a song that you have to sing. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Our right response is worship. And it's not that same old tired vain repetition. It's a new song. Because these truths get more true every single day. Because every single day, we're even closer to that garden in glory. Every single day.